Your Say on London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen, LBC 97.3. Morning, team. Monday morning. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. Don't worry about it. It's going to rain. Send a bit of water, okay? It's fine. You're not going to shrink or anything like that. And the good news is, thank God, Cheryl Cole is okay. We were so... All of us around here have gone, oh, Cheryl, we so worried not. Really couldn't. And, you know, she only, in one TV programme, she loses out and she goes into meltdown. Mind you, if you remember, when it turned out that Ashley was playing around, remember the hairdresser? <coughs> How we laughed. A footballer playing around and cheating, imagine, ladies and gentlemen. And she went into meltdown over that. She's the sort of person, you know, that the key breaks on the sign of the can of tuna and she's, that's it, rehab. Rehab immediately. Because it's terrible, isn't it? What, these people cannot cope with life. They re- they're, so, they're so pathetically fragile that you just feel like saying, I tell you what, love, we'll wrap you in cotton wool and you stay there for the rest of your bloody life because we're bored witless with you. So Cheryl speaks out to the mirror today. And I have to read it. She says, uh, I mean, some of the bits inside are terribly funny. Oh, by the way, before I forget quickly, Ringo Starr played Liverpool. Remember, he, he wasn't very keen on Liverpool. Didn't even sell out. Didn't even sell out. So that wasn't so good. Um... But uh, Cheryl Cole is in here. She says, in a message on her website, she revealed that her fans' concerns had broken my heart. Which is a bit bit worrying, isn't it? She said, I feel your presence and strength always. No matter what decision I make or what it is I'm facing, I appreciate you all more than you'll ever know. She only lost a television programme. It's not like, you know, the entire family had been mown down or sort of drowned or something. It's, she lost a television. Get over yourself. You get so cross with these people. And she says here, uh, I mean, you you can't believe how stupid this woman is. It also breaks my heart a little when I hear that some of you worry about me and need to know that I'm okay. So I want to promise, capital letters, capital letters, promise you that I'm absolutely fine and more than okay. I've had the weirdest past few weeks. What I do know is that I have the best, most unbelievable people out there who I feel so lucky to call my support system. I've been reading your letters and opening my prezzies. I feel very spoilt. You are my little soldiers, and you mean the world to me. Remember what I tell you. Stay strong, keep calm, and carry on. I'll speak to you all soon when I have some more news. Until then, I salute you. Is she on some wacky-backy or something? Have you ever read a part of tripe in your life? Little soldiers. God. Blimey, Perhaps on the estate you grew up on, Cheryl, there were lots of little soldiers. But uh, in the real world, we're just normal human beings. But anyway, we're so grateful, love, that you're OK. Because I can, I can rest easy today. I feel as I can, feel as I can sort of actually go out and face the world. Because how you get through your day. It's like going into the chip shop and they go, we've got no salt. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that kind of pathetic... Mind you, the rumours that she could be back with Ashley. Because uh, he really has difficulty picking up classy birds, doesn't he? And, uh, and she has difficulty picking up anybody, I think. Because it must be very difficult going... It's, I think she's a bit Jerry Halliwell. Jerry Halliwell's a bit needy. And it's a case of... If you're going to be Jerry Halliwell's boyfriend, you better be prepared, I should imagine, for somebody behaving a little bit like a diva. I should imagine the require. I should imagine going out with Heather Mills must be a bit like that. A bit sort of suicidal. You know, you're going out with somebody who lives in a total fantasy world. There are people who, who, are, who are very good relationships, and there are people who are, who are just rubbish at relationships. I'm rubbish at relationships. I'm absolutely terrible. I'm absolutely awful. I'm, I'm not... I can't think of anything worse. You know, people say, oh, you know, it must be great. You know, you do... I, I have no difficulty pulling. Don't. Don't ever... <laughs> if you're on the radio, it's so... Sim- it's embarrassing. 
It's embarrassing. I have to tell you, I really can't. I'm terribly sorry. I'm busy today, you know, and stuff like that. It's like being a DJ in clubs. Everybody wants to be the DJ's friend in clubs. If, if, if you get a job as a, as a disc jockey, everybody gravitates towards you. Boys, girls, everybody. They all want to be your friend, you know, and they want to buy you a drink. It's like being the barman's friend. It's a similar, similar kind of thing. You want to be, be the barman's friend because next time you go in there, he'll go, Hi, Dave. There's, there's, and, and they know your drink. And, they, and everybody else is going, Well, how does he know his... Well, I want to be the barman's friend. So you try and be the barman's friend. I'm glad that they picked up on the story that we did yesterday on the programme and the Mirror have run with it. This is the, the man. This is uh, Barry Pring. I'll tell you the story again very briefly because, frankly, this one stinks. This one stinks to high heaven, OK? Barry wants to find a girlfriend, wife, whatever, goes to the internet, finds this uh, Ukrainian website run from Russia called, I think, Elena's Angels. Slightly dodgy, OK, with some of the people on there. Anyway, meets this uh, woman called Ganna. She's a former stripper. Anyway, to cut a long story short, uh, they have a... They, they converse backwards and forwards. They, she doesn't live with him. He gets her a flat in the Ukraine, I think in Kiev, pays for it, pays for a car, pays for her shopping and everything else. So she's, she's a bit kept. They, they don't seem to have a conventional relationship. Anyway, he runs an IT company. He's, he's fairly successful. He's probably got about one and a half million quid, which is not bad for a man who's 47. You know, to have amassed that much money or have something worth that much is not bad. Anyway, the family uh, don't know about the wedding because they weren't invited to it. Now, I don't know if you know the Ukraine, but it's full of corruption. It is full of bent businessmen, prostitutes, you name it, the Ukraine's got it. There's more rip-off people coming from the Ukraine than there used to be coming from Nigeria, which was bad enough, which is where the police have admitted most scams originate from, especially those involving, you know... Br- There's this great book, which Amanda recommended, and I had to go and buy it, and it's a guy who follows up on... what you know, you, you know you get a letter from somebody and it goes... Please let me introduce myself. My name is Mogadishu, whatever. Uh, my late husband was charge de fer of Nigeria, and he was killed in a car crash and was left £26 million. I need to transfer it to your country. Can you help me? Now, most people go, you're con artists, and you throw it away. It's like I never believe the people who said, you know, would you like a bigger willy? You know, used to get all these things like that, and I used to think, well, how do they know? I mean, why have they targeted me? Am I the only one in the Twickenham area who gets these things? And I get Russian, you know, Russian women in your area want to meet you. Can't imagine why, but they do. And so, uh, but this this particular book carries on the conversation. They actually write back to these people, go, yes, I would love to help you invest the money. And please tell me how I can do it. And he then puts down all the email correspondence. One of them was a woman and she wanted to meet him and all the rest of it. And he carried on a conversation with her and, and kept drawing out things about it. You know, I really want to meet you. I've seen your picture. You're so lovely. You're this and that. And of course, the, the crook the other end is thinking, I'm reeling him in. I'm re-, without realising they're being reeled in. And in the end, he exposes them as a, as a joke and everything else. So this particular man, Barry, uh, doesn't see this wife very often. In fact, hardly ever. But on one, on one occasion, he goes over to Kiev to see her, and they go to a restaurant. Now, this is where it takes a sinister turn. Because bearing in mind, he's paying for her flat, he's paying for the car, she's a former stripper. The reason he's doing this is, is he, he wants to get her out of a life of, of stripping. Now, I know, because I used to share a flat in London with two strippers. Uh, they, they were girls who went to um, college to be uh, ballet dancers, but they ended up stripping. And so we used to do the rounds of London. It was, it was fascinating to watch, you know, strange sort of thing. And um, and so 
they go over there and they drive... No, sorry, they don't. They, they, they get a taxi 16 miles out of Kiev to a restaurant. OK? Must have been in the middle of blooming nowhere. And they have a meal, and then he staggers out of the restaurant. Now, rumour has it, because the police in the Ukraine are bent as nine-bob notes, let me tell you. He staggers out. People are saying his drinks have been doctored. OK? So the restaurants say, we'll get you a taxi. And uh, he's... no. Nah. No. And he staggers down with this wife, Ganna, to a dual carriageway. He stands there, pitch black, remember? Pitch black. And, um, and she then goes, oh, I've left my gloves inside the restaurant. So back she goes to the restaurant. Next thing, out of nowhere, a car ploughs into him and decapitates him. It's got no lights on. It's got a fake taxi sign on, fake number plates killed. Ganna can't wait to arrive in this country and start stripping the house. Meanwhile, the family, smelling a rat, and a big rat at that, have changed the locks. Trouble is, she gets his car, she's managed to sell that, because she's the wife. Now, hopefully, the police are opening up, because they're now saying, this looks very likely, it's a contract killing. This is, this is somebody who's been killed, because they've got money. And in the Ukraine, they couldn't give a forex about you. Forex. Can I hear? I can keep. Do I hear cups then? Yes. Oh right. I thought it was jewellery rattling or something. I never really like it. So, so that's what it is. They've actually, um, they've actually going to open it up again because the police just went. Oh no, it's just a, a simple accident, hit and run. No, it's not. Not with a million and a half quid involved. It really isn't. I don't believe it. Hmm. And she's absolutely denied all responsibility. But uh, to be honest with you, she's never been here before until she came over here to flog his car. What sort of marriage is that? It's all very odd. Family have said they never held hands. They, some of the emails that he sent to her are very strange. He keeps saying, what, why do you just want the visa number all the time to buy shoes? It's exactly the same, because she's found a cash cow. She's found a cash cow. You go, you go to Thailand, and you go to some of the places where they've got the bars. Because t- Thailand's industry is sex. Whatever, no matter what anybody tells you, the main industry in Thailand is sex. So people go over there. I've never been. I've never been in my life. I quite like to go, not for that bit, just to have a look at the culture of the uh, the country and eat food and everything else. But uh, they go over this. If they find somebody who likes them, they can't wait to take themselves out of the, the bars, which seems to be a national industry, and, um, and, um, and then sort of, you know, have a different lifestyle. Talking of different lifestyles, here's very straight. Nick Knowles is in the paper today. TV's Mr Fix-It. He's 48, and his girlfriend is 23. Now... I don't know about you, but uh, Nick Knowles has got a bit of a reputation. I know, because when we did Five's Company together, he was constantly trawling the audience for girls. Him and Rodri Williams couldn't get enough of it. The audience had come in and they'd be going, oh, she's nice over there, and all the rest of it. And so Nick was married. Not married now. He's been through quite a number. But this one, don't you think 23 is a bit young to be going out with a 48-year-old? Isn't that just... Is it? I don't know. I'm looking at a picture of her. She looks exactly Nick Knowles' type. She's blonde and she looks a bit, without being rude, she looks a bit bimboy. I don't know where they met, but he says, uh, people ask how I keep up when we go clubbing. Well, we actually prefer to stay at home and watch Glee. Yeah, until she realises she's with an old man who does his day's job. You know, it's all very sweet to start with. Oh, he's on the telly and he's this and that. And then you suddenly realise, oh, really? There is no jet-setting lifestyle. There, and, and also, why do old men want to tell you when they've got a new bit of fluff in their life? Why do they have to do a two-page interview in the papers, you know, with him sort of posing? It just looks a bit odd. 
It do- and I've got pictures of me with Nick Knowles from ages ago. I thought we looked slightly odd then, but, I mean, this one looks even odder. It looks like his daughter, because he has got three children. Used to live in Newbury. Oh, I'm sure the people of Newbury have stories to tell. I'm sure they do. 16 minutes past five. Morning, everybody. At the risk of upsetting, you know, probably about five of you, I can't stand tennis. I cannot stand... The world's most boring sport. That cricket, football, bowls. Oh, Dullsville, Dullsville, I can't tell it. And tennis. So we're going to be getting there every bulletin now for the next God knows how long. And so we've had Tim Henman, another failure, and had to end it up advertising washing powder. And uh, he never won anything, did he? We kept going, oh, Henman Hill, Henman. And did you see all the dribblers up there? Now we've got Murray's Mound, apparently. Oh, dear, another bunch of dribblers sitting up there. Uh, Murray, Murray, Murray. And all the tennis players are thinking is, don't let those people anywhere near me. They're a bit scary. But it is dull. It's like the amount of people, my friend Michael, the hairdresser, he said to me, he said, do you know anybody who's got tickets for the Olympics? I said, no. Why? And he said, I, I haven't got any tickets. He said, I put in for loads of that. I said, watch it on the television. You'll get the much better pictures on, on the television. I mean, I did hear the good news the other day. So, I mean, to be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, I couldn't care if it rains every day at Wimbledon. Makes, they could all paddle around in canoes. It would be marginally less exciting, I suppose. But the good news is that the BBC are considering axing Formula One. Thank God for that! Another waste of space and money. Do you know how much each race, race costs to televise for the BBC? Three million quid. That's what it costs you, the licence people. £57 million is what the BBC spend on Formula One racing, which, as far as I'm concerned, is cars breaking the speed limit with blurred adverts. Have you seen how dull they are? It's like horse racing. Oh, save me from the... Rerun Magic Roundabout. Show me anything. Just don't show me horse racing. It's very nice to see people parading. And and, and, have you ever been horse racing? They're so fragile, these horses. I'm not surprised they all fall over. I mean, they look like my little ponies when you see them. And jockeys, who are about as big as, you know, Rumpelstiltskin. Little tiny things. And they dress them up in all these camp colours. And they put them all on the horses. And then their, their knees are tucked up behind them. And you think, well, it's not very comfy to ride like that. And they're all wearing satin. What does that tell you? Obviously very gay racing, I think. And um, you never hear about gay jockeys, do you? But I'm sure there must be a club for them somewhere. I've just got a feeling it's probably like gay tennis players. Do we have gay tennis players? I mean, by the law of averages, there must be loads. Loads. I think more on the women's side, isn't it? It's quite a lesbian-dominated thing, I think, tennis. Because you've got to be fairly butch to go, like that. It's not very ladylike, is it? Otherwise it'd be... You know, but there's, there's lots of lots of grunting going on. It is so boring. I mean, luckily, 99% of you share my lack of enthusiasm for anything sport-related. I've often said, if ever I get the need to exercise, I tend to find two glasses of Pinot Grigio, and the thought goes right out of my head. Not remotely... In- I know people say, oh, you've got to look after yourself. I was just talking to Sam a minute ago, and he's debating, the big debate in his life today, is taking back a T-shirt to Gap. And it's where's... What's that where's... What's that thing, where's Wally? He's got a where's Wally t-shirt. Well, there's no pictures on it. And I, think, I don't know how you know it's that. But apparently he always wears a red t-shirt. So he's bought it and he, 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 he buys small. Small is his size, which I find terribly depressing. Terribly depressing. You just want him to balloon overnight. And he's taking it back. And it was £16 for a little flimsy bit of material probably made in China, which probably cost about threepence. Tri- honestly. I mean, I, you know, I mean, for, for me, you, you, you couldn't do anything, actually. On that. I couldn't wear that at all. I absolutely wouldn't get it, wouldn't get it over my head, I don't think. So I'm so glad that uh, Wimbledon started. Hurrah, hurrah, hurrah. There'll be stories in the papers about here are the fans. There'll be a few jobs worth down at Wimbledon. I'm sorry you're not coming in. 
It's Rafa Nadal. Hello? Hello? Because you do get some jobsworths on the doors there, don't you? And I love it. Quiet, please. And we all sit there as they're advertising the Robinson's barley water sitting at the back. And the ball boys and girls who sort of, you know, sort of have to... Mustn't move, move at the side of the net. And if a ball happens to hit the net, which they do all the time, most of these tennis players can't even get the ball over the net. I mean, you think that they're sort of top of their game and they can't get the ball over the net. And so that's why they have all these ball boys and they have to go and pick them up and then they have to run back and stay there. And then you have to wait and then people, and then people used to shout at the judges, you can't be serious. And I'm thinking, oh, what a bunch of ninnies they are. And then the people sit there and go, and who, who's in the stand? Oh, it's Cliff Richard again. Please, God, it doesn't rain any things. You know, and you have to pray. Oh, there'll be some members of the royal family will turn up and everybody will look you over to the royal box to see who's in there today. And people will be going around complaining at the price of strawberries. For some reason, some people have obviously never eaten a strawberry until they go to Wimbledon because that's all they seem to serve. You won't find a samosa in there at all. It's just strawberries, isn't it? Would you like, would you like pims? P- pims? I mean, how pretentious. It's so crap. It really is. It's like Henley. It's like, let's go and watch rowing. And uh, we're in corporate hospitality. Where is that? It's about three miles down the river. You know, we don't actually sit... Occasionally a boat passes us, but the rest of the time, it's just a bit of an OK time. You know, we have pims and, uh, and cucumber in it as well, which is very nice indeed. Uh, but, I mean, so I'd be quite glad to see the back of the Olympic Games. I couldn't give... I really couldn't care less about that at all. Uh, football, because, frankly, most footballers seem to play away from home. You know, and that's not including kicking the, the piece of leather about, which is what she appears to be wearing this week. And, um, and then there's other stories on the papers about other sport, and I'm thinking, I really don't care. We're not very good at any of this. We're not very good at football. We're not very good at tennis. We were very good at synchronised swimming, and I believe our bowls team did quite well. But apart from that, anything, you know, I mean, I bet you anything, Andy Murray would be out very quickly. I don't want to put the kibosh on it, but I'm telling you, by the law of averages, boring as hell. Boring. Boring. Yeah. Here's another interview Andy Murray. <sighs> Go to sleep again. So, uh, so I'll be glad to see the back of it. Of course, Will loves it. Oh, I love tennis. You think you look like you like tennis. I can't bear it, honestly. <laughs> People who just sit there. You just, you know, the ball's this way, and then the ball's that way. The ball's this way. And it doesn't go anywhere else. If it went up in the air and a pigeon took it off, I could be more excited. But just watching it going from side to side to side to side, and then... And that's it. And you get a polite bit of applause. And then they go, and that ball was travelling at, you know, 81 miles an hour. Who cares? Who cares? Most of them can't hit it over the net. Most of them can't hit it. It's just, it's a terrible waste of space and time. And as for the Formula One, I mean, if ever there was a waste of tele- Golf on the- Have you seen golf on the television? Have you seen golf on the television? A lot of slightly overweight men wearing jumpers that don't fit properly and some very tight trousers have a little motorised caddy and then they hit the ball and we're expected to see it on the television. So the camera goes up in the air, then the cameramen can't see diddly squat. The cameramen are focusing on a cloud. And so we're so, oh, the ball's, well, where is it? You can't see, because it isn't there. Okay, it isn't there. They just move the camera up, so you think the ball went in the air. Golf, generally played by idiots. Boring people who like walking around in Farrah trousers and Pringle tops. That doesn't mean tops made out of crisps, that means sort of they're the crisscross. They all wear the same clothes, and sometimes they wear check trousers. If they're a celebrity, they wear check trousers. I don't know why. Why do people wear odd clothes? Why can't they just play in jeans and T-shirt like normal people? No, because when I did golf down at the seaside, you had to get the ball into the windmill and then out the other side, the crazy golf. And, and that was really difficult. That was Theirs is quite easy. They didn't have to negotiate. When the last time I watched the British Open, there was nobody negotiating a windmill, nobody trying to get a ball down a little slip. No, no, they just had to hit it from A into the hole B. 
And it shows how easy it is and how stupid they are if, as, as was proven the other day, that guy, George, whatever his name was, uh, actually managed to get a hole-in-one. And the reason it was so clever is because he's blind. And if a blind man can get a hole-in-one, the others must be complete idiots. You know, they hit the... Bo- and then it goes... And then they hit it, and they're about, you know, a foot away from a hole, and they can't get it in. And these are supposed to be experts. Another dull, boring thing. I'm so anti-sport at the moment. I'm really very, very anti. And then we have... There's a lovely picture. I came through Piccadilly Circus, and there's David Beckham holding the Olympic torch. And I thought, he doesn't even live in this country. Why is he holding the Olympic torch? I get very cross about things. Anyway, 84850, uk. And uh, uh, Warren says, you mentioned the open gardens the other day. I think my audience love open gardens, Warren. And I hope you do very well, very, very well with the open gardens. It's quite good. Uh, People are nicking clothes at the moment. Lithuanians. You know these things where they say donate clothes? What they do is they steal them. They they put little kids in. They take all the clothes out. They take them to Lithuania and they sell them in the shops for charity. It's like people who thieve here from charity shops. Goes on all the time around our way. You can watch people doing it. People rummage through. And then they just nick the bag of rubbish. They take it. But mind you, I've always thought people who leave stuff outside charity shops, why don't you take it in when the shop's open? Don't leave it outside. They put signs on the window. Do not leave it outside. And people do. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Lovely picture of Brucey Forsyth. Good game, good game. 83. And uh, now he's got his Brucey bonus. And the Brucey bonus is he's now Sir Bruce Forsyth. LBC 97.3. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Steve Allen. 28 minutes to uh, 6 Mavis says, the day you start calling us your little soldiers is the day I switch off. Oh, that's such an, such an appalling thing to call. My little soldiers. Oh, dear me. Absolutely dreadful. Uh, thank you for the, uh, the tip on yesterday's events. I went to the Windsor Farm Shop. Says Stuart, where Graham Cole was signing, and then up to the Maribone Food Fair. Great day out. Yes, a number of people went to see Graham Cole, and uh, well done to you for going up there. In fact, I think, actually, who, I got, um, I got a, an email from somebody yesterday, which came... Actually, it came in a bit... Uh, no, it didn't. It came in overnight, actually. And I can't remember who it's from now. Oh, wait a minute. Let me just find it quickly here. Oh, that's right. It was from Jason in Ascot, who said, I, I did make a point of finding Graham Cole. What a charming man. Everything you said, and a credit to the business. Weather bit iffy. He says, as some copies of his book, we're getting a light shower, despite the best efforts of his posse with a brolly. Some super classic cars there. Um, oh, well, I'm glad that uh, you went to see Graham Cole. He'd have been thrilled. He's a really, really nice man. He really is. And uh, I'm, I'm sure there were loads of other people went up there as well. So that was good, wasn't it? Which was marvellous. Uh, I was wondering how long, says Paul, it would take for England's newest saint to open her heart, presumably when a paper opened its wallet. have to say, once you can actually decipher it, it's obviously a joint effort between Cheryl and a close friend... After watching Paul O'Grady's well-overhyped homage to Lady Gaga, I think there could be nothing worse this week. Because sometimes Paul does go a bit over the top with some of the guests. He does, you know, there's a lot of brown nose. He doesn't need to do it. He doesn't need to do it because he's actually better than they are, I think. I notice Cheryl, says Paul, refers to her fans as her little soldiers. I'm of the age when the only time I heard that phrase was Barbara Mitchell uttering it as she admonished her son Frankie Abbott in Please, Sir. Curiously, Gaga refers to her fans as her little monsters. I wonder whether Miss Cole would consider herself on a par with her. Sorry, pet, you aren't worth it. Uh, if the story that she's taken Ashley back is true, I think any sympathy that people have for her will soon disappear. Maybe she should remember, he said. It's only a job. 
It's only a job. She lost out on a job in America. She's got loads of other jobs. But, of course, you know that she's OK. So thank God for that, eh? Thank God for that. The Sun on the front page, Cole, I'm winning Cheryl back. Oh, dear. Tacky tacky. You must be desperate, Cheryl, if you're going to go back with him again. But there you go. It's your business. I couldn't care less. Uh, Robbie Williams accidentally um, um, flashed his bits on stage. Apparently, um, they, uh, people were, um, were not expecting to see Robbie Williams full frontal, but they got it. Uh, because it was his, uh, he stuffed his hands down his trousers for the song Sexed Up and Come Undone, and he lost his grip on the whole thing. And then it fell out. Well, how is that possible? I mean, how is that possible? I mean, just think about it logically. Unless he's not wearing any pants, which, of course, is very unwise. We're going to be on stage. But it just doesn't fall out, does it? It's like me sort of getting up to go and adjust the air conditioning, and it falls out. Well, it doesn't. But they've made a big thing about that, or in the case of Robbie Williams, a very small thing about it in the papers today. I feel ever so sorry for some parents here, Neil and Joanne. Um, their little son was uh, was crossing the road, and and a driver hit him, threw him up in the air, and his parents saw it, and he was killed. He died in his father's arms. He was only uh, six. And the worst thing was, the driver pulled up a little bit further down, got out to see if there was any damage on his car, if you can believe it, and then drove off. They will find him. They will find him. Because there'll be somebody else who'll have been on that road, and they'll see this car, and they'll have him. They'll have him. Because this is... this is murder. This is... this is just appalling. And, um... It's it's just a dreadfully tragic story. And, uh, his, his mum had to be kept away because of the injuries. And uh, people said, no, 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 don't, don't go near there. But uh, he, he lost his life at the age of six. And you do think that if there is such a thing as a god, he's quite clearly not looking down at odd times. Because people go, oh, that's all right. And we've got mass murderers in this country who are free to milk the benefit system. People who drug deal, people who bring death and destruction and misery to people. And they, uh, they can happily stay here, because apparently if we send them back to where they came from then um, it's infringing their family rights. They've managed to find lawyers who sort of defend these people. So we have to put up with the rapists and the murderers. We had another bloke here, wasn't it? The Iranian. You remember the Iranian bloke who killed it? He's out walking around. He's having a bit of a high old time. You just, you just sometimes think that we've, we've lost the plot. Dreadful. Uh, Julian says, it's fab to hear your chirpy voice telling us how it is, but a lot of negativity on the sports. I can't stand sport. Cannot stand sport, I'm afraid. Surely there must be one sport or pastime you like. Nudist leapfrog, I was quite keen on. Nudist leapfrog is a very popular one. Very popular. But we don't do anything else. No, I can't bet. I think we devote far too much time to sport. Have you noticed? Sports presenters are the most boring in the world. They are dull. They've all got terribly, terribly boring voices. You've only got to listen to that one who does the Daybreak programme. What it comes from Birmingham, talks like that. They looks sport. They're all dull people. They're all odd. All sports... They're not like radio presenters, sports people. They're all very peculiar. They are that because they, they sort of live for their sport, which is dull, 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 dull. I'm sorry. And Lorraine says, yeah, Formula One is like waiting for paint to dry. M- watching paint dry is marginally more exciting than watching... You know, I, was, I watched the former children's presenter, I can't remember what his name is, on the BBC, walking up and down with a bloke wearing a wig. And there's something there, and there's a... And then another car goes past. It's just blur. And then all of a sudden, they're obviously not very good, these cars, because they have to pull into the pit stop, and they've changed their wheels. They've only been round once. And they give them new tyres. Mine lasts for miles. They should put my tyres on the car. They last much longer. And then people sit there, and they, they look like giant scale X trick. But what a waste of money. What a waste of my money. 
Three million quid a race, race, they reckon it costs the BBC to transmit just one dull bit of race. You know why? There's so much money in it. It's why racing drivers make a fortune, but they're... God knows they're boring. God knows. Nigel Bansell's another one of those that's boring. They're all dull, aren't they? There's nobody with a bit of oomph at all. They're all very dull people. And they've obviously, it's obviously a little cartel they're operating, because they seem to be making loads of money. Because I think it's... Uh, is it a little Bernie Eccleston? Is it his, his daughters who've got £58 million houses? Have you ever heard such a thing? 58... There's some very good little um, council property down the road which is going. They could stick some new wallpaper up in that. They don't have to live in a £58 million house. Uh, David and Raimondo. Saw Mr Jolly on Saturday night. This was Graham Jolly on the Penn and Teller show. What a star. He, he's, he's, he's on his way to Vegas. We love Graham Jolly. I'm working with him this, this coming Saturday. We've got two shows at the Magic Circle. And very much looking there. Oh, Amy Winehouse made a comeback the other day. I forget where she was. I think she was in, um, I think she was part of her European, uh, Bel- Belgrade. Apparently drunk again on stage. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know why we're wasting our time with her. Quite clearly, she's not just out of control, she's a waste of space. You know, I mean, I never understand, you know, somebody goes in, they go into rehab. Where are the parents? Aren't they looking after their little girl? We know that her father, Mitch, is desperate to be famous himself, but that lasted all of five seconds. And so thankfully we've seen the back of him and he's back driving his cab, so that's OK. Well, I hope he is anyway. And uh, Amy, drunk and incoherent. Why, why would... Apparently people were throwing bottles at the stage. I mean, I don't know why they... But, but apparently, according to her agent, uh, they said she has agreed that uh, she cannot perform to the best of her ability and so she's going to return home. A bit of waste of space. And she's a bit like Kerry Katona. Another waste of space, I'm afraid. I'm laughing at that one, because, to be honest with you, I was the one shouting at the television, going, you're rubbish. You're rubbish. Go and get a proper job. Do a proper day's work. Get up in the early hours of the morning, do a proper day's work, and then tell me, you know, you're working hard. Because at the moment, it ain't happening. It ain't I like the story, though, of the Royal Marine, David Hart. Uh, David Hart was killed by a Taliban bomb uh, in Afghanistan. But before he went, he took out life insurance... I'm surprised, to be honest with you, anybody insured him going to Afghanistan. But he got insurance, and he said that if he was killed, he wants, and it's £250,000, he wants 100000 to send 32 of his friends to Las Vegas on holiday. Isn't that nice? He won't be there, but his mates are going to go and have a holiday, which I think is, uh, is quite something. So he's, it's, there's still 150000 for for girlfriend or whatever. And, uh, and he's also done, um, done £50,000 to his favourite charity. Good grief. I can imagine making that sort of decision. You're doing your will, you're going out there. And, uh, and that's what he's decided to do. So well done to him. And uh, he goes up on the uh, Hall of Fame as another one of those brave soldiers who, uh, who lost their life. But at the end of it, people get a bit of happiness out of it, I suppose. A hypnotist is helping lap dancers lure men into spending more money. I've never actually seen... Have you been to lap dancing, Will? That you're... I have a horrible feeling you might have been, actually. I don't know why. You just look as though you might have been. Yes, you, you do look the type. Do we, uh, should, should we go another five? five we'll, we'll, we'll give another five pounds <laughs> between between four of us. Have you, you have seen lap dancing? You have, yeah. You see, I've I've never. I mean, I know what it is. I'm not stupid because quite near me there is a lap dancing club, and it's. I think lap dancing is is. I think that's pole dancing, and then they come and sit on your lap. I think. But anyway, in this particular club, they've uh, they've had to bring in a hypnotist because they want men to spend more money because apparently takings have slumped. 
And to be honest with you, I don't quite understand the purposes of, of a lap dancing club. I mean, in, in a strange way, I understand it. I don't understand why men would pay huge amounts of money, you know, £60 for a dance, for somebody to... Gy- I mean, I'd do it for 20 I would gyrate in, in front of somebody for 20 Not as erotically, admittedly. But I don't understand why. Because, and, and then I looked at the pictures of the girls in this particular club. And to be honest with you, I'm not at all surprised the punters aren't spending any money. I mean, I've never seen such a naff-looking bunch of people bringing in a... This is in Huddersfield, which has got a very good choral society. Uh, Cleopatra's Lounge. Anything less like Cleopatra's Lounge, you'd be hard-pushed to find, I'm afraid. And so they brought in this um, this hypnotist. And so um, they're going to use a technique called anchoring. The man's subconscious mind becomes open to suggestions as a dancer speaks to him and gives him a little touch on the shoulder or the knee. And that apparently will make them part with more money, if only it was so simple. If only it was as simple as that, that you could sort of, ta- you know, ladies, if you could tap your husband on the knee or on the shoulder, and he would immediately open his wallet and give you more money. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Not going to happen, of course, but they're, they're determined to try it. And then I love the story of the other, the other guy, Paul Fisher. He's a magician. So we're told. I don't know of him. And he goes into a restaurant and uh, he bends a fork. You know, in front of this is this is his his party trick. You know, da da da, rub it, rub it, rub it, and and it bends. They called the police. They said, "I'm sorry, we're not having people bending our forks in here." He didn't. He wasn't booked as a magician. What's he doing? Bet? So they called the police. He was later released without charge. It has to be said. But uh, I thought they'd be quite grateful. He just put it on display and go. Look, there's a guy came in the other week and he just held it and then rubbed it a little on the top, and then it bent. And you'd think they'd be... Re- nope, they called the... Pl- what a waste of- The police must have gone... You've called us out for what? He's bent a fork. We're going to charge you for that one, I think. Definitely. <laughs> Weather for today. Sorry? The times must be really tough. You know, forks. How much- Oh, they're so expensive, forks, aren't they? Actually, talking of expensive things, there's a lovely feature in one of the papers today on women who go for treatments. You know when they charge... I don't know if you've ever had treat. I hated it. I hated it. I had a massage once, and I didn't like it at all. I just... Uh, I bet you've had a massage, haven't you? Well, we're learning so much about you this morning, Will, aren't we? That's, you're beginning, not so much an open book, more a sort of a big pamphlet, I think, going on here. But, uh, and, and I had this massa. I hated it. I'm sorry, there's no amount of dark lighting and candles and soft music that's going to make me relax when you're wearing something akin to a, a small napkin. You know, I just, I couldn't take to it. I thought it was horrible. Absolutely horrible. I felt vulnerable. I felt everything about it I didn't like at all. Why did I mention that? Oh, that's right. And they were talking about treatments that ladies have, mainly ladies, uh, that cost £80. But in fact, the actual things involved in it cost about £5. Because there's huge markups on these sort of salon- salons. And now you can be vajazzled, vaz- vaz- whatever it is. Apparently, they can do it for men too. Men can be vajazzled. And I'm not going to explain it to you. You'll need to go, you'll need to go and watch the television programme because, frankly, we don't want to do anything like that on the programme this morning. Well, I don't know, we might. Quarter to six. Have your say on London's biggest conversation. I'm James O'Brien. You can call, text, email or tweet me this morning from ten. Morning, everybody. Excited to be company. It's Monday morning. Cooking with gas. I knew it would be exciting this morning. The moment I mention I can't stand tennis. But there's nothing worse than pretending you like tennis. I've never done any commentary. I used to do horse racing results on the programme, but that was it. But, and I have spoken to sports people before. I mean, quite clearly, I would have to. I'm in the business. But uh, I can't bear sport. I absolutely can't bear it. I did running at school, and I was quite good at running and jumping. Swimming, I was all right on my back. And, uh, and that was about it. But I watched these sporting things. And I think, you know, golf on the television is just ridiculous. 
If you want to watch it, go and play it. Go and stand there and watch it. Don't put it on the television. Motor racing. Another big waste of time and money. It's like, you know, I can understand them doing the Chelsea show down there, the Chelsea Flower Show and Hampton Court and stuff like that, because that's, that's different. You can go around and look at things. But, I mean, of what interest is there to anybody in motor racing? Cars are exceeding the speed limit. What's, what's the point of that? And people stand there. I mean, Johnny, who drives us over the weekend, he goes to Le Mans every... He loves it. There's about seven... They, they, they make, like, an outing. They take a van down. They've got a fridge, a television, a power shower. They take a power shower down there, and they all go down there, and he loves it. He absolutely... Me, I went drag racing at Santa Pod years and years. Boring, boring, boring. It was just full of very, very fast, noisy cars with parachutes at the back to slow them down. I thought, why don't they just get brakes like normal people? Dreadfully dull, I'm afraid. Uh, Many areas generally dry this morning. Bright intervals for a time. Low cloud, mist, patchy rain this afternoon, followed by heavy rain this afternoon. Uh, Pollen forecast is low, so that's good news for you. Maximum 22 degrees, warmer than yesterday. Tonight, rain or showers continuing. Some heavy outbreaks at first, but turning lighter and patchier later. And tomorrow... Oh, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I'm losing track. Perhaps he means... He's got Monday, but perhaps he means Tuesday. Uh, many parts dry, scattered showers developing in some places. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, windy at times, sunny spells, but also showers. Most frequent on Wednesday and Friday. So, in other words, this week, it's going to be wet, 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 wet. So, take an umbrella, or, you know, take a, take a rain hat, take something out. Well, fellow, that, don't go out. Don't go out at all. Just sit there. There's nothing nicer, isn't there, than sort of pressing your nose up against the window as the rain runs down. I think that's quite, that's quite a, no, just me again, okay. Well, I like that. I've, it's, it's quite a nice thing to do. It's very relaxing, actually. Very therapeutic as somebody's pole dancing right behind you. I think that's quite Because you can watch their sort of reflection. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked out of your window if you're in a flat and discovered you're looking in on somebody's flat and something's going on that you shouldn't be looking at? So you draw the curtains and then you, and you peer through the top bit and <laughs> see if it's still going on. It's terrible, really. I used to, we used to have somebody over the road from me who used to walk about naked in their flat. I mean, you... No, well, no, they had curtains open, but the, and they were up quite high, but you thought... And I, I thought to myself, should I tell them? Should I sort of go, go knocking on the door and go, I just wanted to tell you that I can, I can see you naked in your flat. And then I thought, no, I won't tell them. So, I know, I've moved a chair nearer the window now, so it's so much easier, because my back was going, it was terrible. And then I discovered, about 15 years ago, that uh, when... Uh, the parents of my godchildren lived opposite me, that the, the, the places were built in such a way that if I was in the kitchen washing up and their bathroom door was open, I could see into their bathroom. And they had a mirror. <laughs> I remember getting up one morning and I was sort of happily sort of washing up quite early. And, uh, and Chris, who lived in the flat, uh, was standing naked in front of the bathroom mirror having a shave. And you sort of, you think, I think I need to tell them. I need to tell them that I can see them naked in the bathroom. And I thought, I'll just bring a chair in. So I brought a chair in and started doing the washing up, you know, on a chair. It was so much easier. Everybody's now put door door curtains up. None more so than me. Uh, Margaret says, thank you for being on form this morning. Your comments are right. Sport of any sort is boring. The real heroes are soldiers. And it's a pity more people don't think like you. They absolutely do think like me. That's the trouble, though, Margaret. Everybody thinks like me. There's only one or two weirdos who's sort of like tennis and stuff like that. But uh, I don't think so. Um, Gary says, I've just Googled Robbie Williams naked. Not a lot going on down there. No, I mean, well, to be honest with you, I mean, I, I wouldn't have imagined so anyway. Funny thing to do, though, isn't it? Funny thing. I didn't realise you could get it up on Google, as they say. Uh, belated Happy Father's Day, says Michelle. 
to my dad, Peter Rawlings. I'm in Vancouver and dad lives in Romford. He'll now be driving to work at Tower Bridge. Tell him we can't wait for his visit in August. There you go, Peter Rawlings is going out to Vancouver. That's after they've cleaned up after the riots. Because there will be riots down there. And uh, John in Barnes, who's in um, California, he's shooting a video with a mini Tina Turner. She does a show in Vegas with a mini J-Lo and a mini Christina. So he's, uh, he's driving up the five in California to Carmel. I've been to Carmel. I've stayed at Carmel. It was quite nice, actually. I like most places in America. I really do. I, 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 I quite like the driving bit. I didn't, I didn't like San Francisco at all. I thought that was hot. We went up to the Castro which is this big gay area. Oh, it was so run down and horrible. It was vile. Uh, and they've got a radio station over there called 97.3. And for the first time in my life, I did something uh, very, very anoraki. I took a photograph of their radio car on the pier. How naff, you know, because it had, you know, whatever it was, 97.3. And I thought it was so funny because I worked in a radio station called 97.3. So I took a photo of it. It's the only anoraki thing I've ever done. I don't do radio anoraki things, because I just think it's... Because I'm in the business. And then people go, do you listen to radio? And I go, I don't really know. I really don't. It's, but yet you get some people who can tell you everything about radio, from student radio to hospital radio to industrial radio to who... I know nothing. I couldn't even give you the line-up on, on some of our top radio stations. I only know the people in this building because I see them. Otherwise, I'd have no idea at all. I listen to music in the car. And um, I'm just a bit out the loop, I think, on that one. Perhaps I should, perhaps I should sort of listen more to other radio stations. But, I mean, I just feel you'd be influenced. If you listen to another radio station, I think it's easier just to listen to LBC, isn't it? You don't need to worry about other radio There are no other radio stations. So, you know, you don't need to worry. Uh, Brian says, thank you for having a look around the Harrod sale this morning. Do you think I'd be declined entry of wearing jeans and plimsolls? I can't remember what their policy is. Their shorts, I think, was their policy. And was it backpacks as well? Then they have a thing. No. Yeah, I don't think they like big bags over people's shoulders and shorts as well. We'll have a check on that one and find out. I love a sale. I love a sale. I don't, I don't buy anything, but I always like to go and look and see if I, if I did want to buy something. Noreen says, hope you're well. Had a great Sunday. I did, actually. I didn't go to the West End Live in Trafalgar Square. I really wanted to go, but I'm looking forward to next year because Leicester Square will all be finished. And I can't wait to see what that's like. Uh, are you looking forward to Saturday? I am. We have two shows at the Magic Circle, uh, with all the money raised going to charity. Wish we were coming, but can't. Graham Jolly on Penn and Teller went down very well. He's a good lad, isn't he? Well, you, as you know, you've seen him at the uh, at the show at the Mermaid, and he was he was very good. I like him a lot. So he's he's one of our ones down there. We've got all sorts of people appearing. It's going to be it's going to be quite quite a nice day, quite a nice day, and I hope that you're going to go for it. Uh, Emma Barnett. Was doing the uh, papers with Nick Ferrari this morning. With the passing of the Parliament Square protester Brian Hoare, Nick will be asking whether you think he was a hero or misguided in his actions against the government. Nick will be looking at Cameron's statement on absent fathers and the implication if the Church of England allows gay bishops. I mean, to be honest with you, does, does that, that's obviously the one that's going to get people talking this morning. Apparently, they're allowed to be gay as bishops, provided they're celibate. Well, I mean, couldn't you just tell a fib? And just go, yeah, celibate. Uh, but not really. Because I, I don't know how it works. Does it make any difference? I'm quite sure that you'll have something to discuss there. It's amazing, actually. Some people will get really, really funny about it. And other people will just go, I don't think, you know, it makes the slightest difference. I mean, you know, it's like saying, you know, it's OK for gay MPs now. And you go, well, how many are there? You go, there must be hundreds. It's like gay footballers. We were trying to work out, actually, how many gay footballers there must be. And the answer is, there's probably quite a number. 
but they have to keep it quiet because, you know, the th- thought of 20,000 people shouting obscenities at you isn't very appealing. And, uh, and then we thought, are there any gay tennis players? And I couldn't think of any gay tennis players. There's, I think there's lots of gay lady tennis players, quite a number over the years, because that does seem to uh, attract. But for some reason, it's not, it's not men. Perhaps it's because it's a little bit energetic. And gays do quite well in the gym, but they don't really want to hit balls over nets, do they? As far as I know. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. There's a charity gala next uh, Sunday. Is it next Sunday? Is that the 26th? Gosh, it could be, actually. It's 7pm. It's at the Cadogan Hall. And uh, the Opera UK's talented singers are performing a dazzling array of opera hits, finishing up with Nessendorma. 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 La-dee-da-da. I could do that, actually. If I was amplified, I could do it. Uh, You need to call the Cadogan... Uh, Hall box office. It's a fun summer concert. Tickets for a tenner upwards. And it's a charity gala. 020 770 4500. 020 770 4500. And that's for next Sunday, the 26th of uh, June. Uh, other stories in the papers today. Because it's an, it's an interesting day. I mean, apart from sort of Cheryl Cole speaking out, there's a message to long suffering wives of love rats, Lorraine Fletcher. She's the ex wife of footies Paul Merson. And. Uh, she says here, you know, why don't these people kick their boyfriends out? Like uh, Terry, uh, Cole, Rooney and Giggs. And all the women that they've strayed from. Of course, the women stay with them. Except in the case of, uh, of Cheryl. Tony Terry. That's uh, Tony Terry. I'm sorry, it just sounds funny, doesn't it? Tony Terry has stayed with him. And uh, Colleen Rooney has stayed with him. They have to. They've got nowhere else to go. Although they could take him for a fortune. But they don't really care. Uh, except one of them. Now you've got Ryan Giggs's sister-in-law, this is the one who had an affair, Ryan Giggs's brother's wife had an affair with Ryan Giggs for eight years, and apparently she's now compiled a hit list of men she wants to have a relationship with, and she's apparently looking forward to being, wait for this, a celebrity, because she cheated on her husband that now makes her a celebrity. Woof, woof, woof. It's dreadful. She wants to apparently have a fling with Tiny Temper, Somebody called Harry, Linford Christie, and uh, the only way is Essex is Mark Wright. Well, you won't actually have too much trouble pulling him. He's really not very difficult at all. He sort of has started believing his own publicity. A man who has no talent whatsoever. But it's funny, isn't it? Because we like laughing at them. Because they're just, they're just funny people on our television. I'm on the radio, of course. LBC 97.3 Text 84850. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday morning. It's not a good day if you're not insured. The police, uh, the, the government have brought in this new ruling now, which means it is the crime to have a vehicle that is not insured. Not even taking it on the road. It's a crime not to have, And they know... Because you've seen these little vehicles, haven't you, popping up and down. And they've got little, pe- they're little smart cars, they've got periscopes, and they do the side of the road and they just sweep through. And inside there's somebody sitting there with a laptop. And if your car, because it does the number plate recognition, if your car doesn't have insurance, up it comes. They'll be back. There'll be a wheel clamp on it. Only now the government is saying there's a very good chance that your, uh, your car could be destroyed. There's going to be a lot of very unhappy... Because you know if you're insured. You know if you're insured, you've got a document. A lot of people were trying to cheat the system some time ago, and they'd say, oh, no, I've got, I've got documentation there. they go, well, no, we, we don't think so. Because what they do is buy it monthly, 
and then they'd stop paying after the first month. But they've got a certificate which ran for the year, so that that was the that was the big problem. So be warned if you're setting up. It's like the the old one. You don't see it as much now. Tax disc, tax applied for. You know, there is no excuse. You're given plenty of time to buy your tax disc. Even if you're on holiday, they give you loads of time. They send it out well in advance. You can do it online. But, of course, if you don't have insurance and you don't have a current MOT, you can't buy it online. You have to go out there and physically buy it. You've got to take the documentation in, and they know, because they're all linked up on the same computer, which does uh, does make it interesting. Val went to Joe Allen's on Saturday. Do you know, strangers should mention that. I haven't been to Joe Allen's for a while, and I do miss it. And she said, I did something very anoraki. As we left after the meal, the door was held open for us, and I said to the waitress, do you know Steve Allen? And she said, yes. I've just felt so embarrassed, she said, I'd even asked her. <laughs> well, it must have been somebody who knows me then. It's always good, isn't it? Uh, Ken says, I agree with you about tennis. The BBC's Wimbledon coverage is absolutely OTT. I dread to think how much that's costing us. Apparently, they're using that drip Tim Henman to commentate. Isn't it something like £14,000 a day they're paying Tim Henman to commentate on it? I mean, surely we can see a ball going from one side of the net to the other. You don't need somebody to sit there and tell you the ball's going from one side of the net to the other. Who cares? Who cares? Uh, 84850. Uh, Paul says, as for Harrods dress code, there is still in force no ripped jeans, no shorts or backpacks. He said, I don't work there, but I've been in a few times. So there you go. (laughs) So that's good, isn't it? Uh, 54th birthday tomorrow for Stephen Bridlington. Middle age is when you have more yesterdays than tomorrows. Oh, dear. He said it's according to the wife. It will be my 54th. Good grief. 54 tomorrow. You have a nice time. I'm sure you will, actually. I don't know what you're supposed to do at 54. I just know that traditionally this is one of your worst days of the week. Not because you're 54, but because you've you've got to go to work. And people say, I don't want to go to work. I really don't want to go to work today. I feel like taking a day off. and and, And then once you get into that habit of not going in... And if you don't take your umbrella, not only will you be going into work when you don't want to be there, but you'll be very wet at the same time. Mark in Rochester says, Hope the weather holds out Friday. Me and the wife have got rid of the kids for the day and we're off to Thorpe Park. What, in your 40s? You're way too old for a theme park. Good grief, you should be sitting in a, in a bus shelter down at Brighton or something. You don't go to a theme park in your 40s. You'd be still... Oh, dear, you'd be well out of place there. It's for young people. Even when I go, I've got to take the godchildren. You can't just sit, because you look like their grandfather, which is awful now. It says, for, it used to look forward to the day out, but for some reason I'm quite scared. Is it because I'm in my 40s? Oh, it's downhill after the 40s. You know, I mean, you have peaked. You and the wife have had your golden years. You're now entering the twilight zone. Especially when you look at the rides and go, I think I'd be sick on that. Because that's what you have to think. And you do step... Have you noticed that people go to these theme parks? And they do it in America. We went to Seven Flags Magic Mountain, which has got, surprisingly, seven roller coasters. And one of them is you, you, you stood there and the thing kind of picked you up like one of those cranes and suspended you. But you had to take your earrings out. I don't wear earrings, but, well, I had some drop ones in at the time. But anyway, and you have to take them out. They said, because the G-force can rip your lobes. And then all of a sudden... So this thing then lifts up and goes... It's all compressed air. You lift up, and then off you go, swinging from side to side. But everybody, all the Americans, and we've started doing here, people put their hands up when they go on a roller coaster. You know, like that. Like, look, no hands. Oh, my God, I'm going to fall out. But we stand there and watch, don't we, before we decide how we're actually going to spend our money. You know, we'll watch this one first, see if anybody dies on it. OK, OK, that... Oh, that seemed all right, didn't it? That seemed OK. We'll... we'll... Oh, I don't know, it looks a little bit dodgy, that bit there. So you stand there, and then I tell you what we'll do, we'll have something to eat, then we'll come back and look at it again. 
So you tend to look at them about four times before you stand in the queue and try and pretend this is the normal, everyday thing that you do. You don't have any fear of this whatsoever. And, uh, and it's OK, and it's... Oh, God, what have I let myself in for? And then there's little kids in front who are going, yeah, and clinging on with one finger. You know, and you're there, hold, your knuckles have gone white. And they've got a couple at Thought Park which do the loops, complete loops. But it's only, it's centrifugal force that's keeping you in there. And I think uh, a sort of one of these things which sort of moulds your body and holds you in. And it's on a ratchet. My worst nightmare is, and I saw it once, and it was a big roller coaster, I think in Japan. And this thing practically goes up vertically. And you're so high, you're practically touching clouds. And it broke down at the top. And, and people are there. And I thought, I'm afraid I would sit there and just cry because I know what they say. They say, listen, if you get out and you walk back, to- you're joking, of course. I'm not getting out. But that's what they, they expect you to do. And they have to uh, help you. Well, nothing would do that. You imagine if you're in a roller coaster and it goes to the loop at the top and then it gets stuck at the top and you're hanging upside down. Oh, dear. Oh, I couldn't do that. I mean, I really, it's not my sort of thing at all. Warren's a big fan of tennis. So there's two of you then that I know now who like tennis. I cannot understand it. I cannot understand it at all. I don't know why. Perhaps I'm just being controversial. But I, I really, I'm not a sport person on the television. I think it's a terrible waste of money. Terrible waste of money. And they say Andy Murray is plotting to win Wimbledon by lobbing abuse at opponents. Oh, dear, what developing a personality between now and the time it starts. Highly unlikely, I think. He apparently said, boxers say stuff that's outrageous. He gets them in a lot of trouble and people don't like them. They really don't care, so I'm going to wind up my opponent. So he's been getting tips from British boxer David Hay. The trouble is, either you are aggressive on court or you're not. You can't just develop it very quickly. Here here are the pictures of Amy Winehouse looking bored, like the rest of her audience, I'm afraid, looking bored. I'm sorry, Poppy, if you have a problem and it's with drink or whatever it is, don't waste everybody's time. When, you, when you're better, then you can come out. I never understand what they... I mean, do these people just make a lot of money and then they start boozing? Or were they always like that? I don't, I don't understand how you can be... You know, if, if somebody sort of said to me, right, we're, we're going to make you terribly famous. You know, not that I'm not terribly famous. But we're going to make you more famous. And I'd be, I wouldn't go into meltdown and go, ooh, God, believe it's dreadful. After five, Five's Company finished, to be quite honest, I was very grateful. People go, oh, not got a career on television. I went, I can't think of anything worse. Look what happened to poor Cheryl Cole and her little soldiers. But she's okay. So that's great news, isn't it? We're all very, very happy. And here's a lovely picture of the only way is Essex star. I mean, if she wasn't wearing a bikini, I think you'd be putting her in... I don't think God was there when they handed out looks department. Her name is Sam Fayers, and she was making the most of Los Angeles sunshine. Tacky and cheap, I think, actually. Kind of sums you up, Sam. But there you go. It's lovely, isn't it? And, uh, and the good news is this morning that Wills and Kate... Uh, going, to be going over to America, but Cheryl Cole will not be joining them for dinner because nobody knows who she is. She's good, isn't it? 16 past six. Have your say on London's biggest conversation. I'm Nick Ferrari. You can call, text, email or tweet me at breakfast this morning from seven. Morning, every nice every company. There's a young lady here today. She has a very stupid boyfriend. Uh, her name is Lindsay Plant. Her boyfriend is Chris Flintoff. Chris Lintoff, uh, Flintoff is a very stupid person. Why? Because they decided to have a barbecue. And what did he do? He tried to light the barbecue with petrol. A very stupid thing to do. He's obviously of limited intelligence. And what happens is, unfortunately, this thing turned into a fireball and uh, ignited her, I'm afraid. So all her legs are burnt to pieces. And uh, she's, uh, she spent three weeks in hospital, needed skin grafts, and her legs will be permanently scarred. And she goes, I forgive him. The man's an idiot. 
a complete idiot. How many times, I mean, you know, you're not really sure, are you? When, when somebody gets to, you know, 20, 20 years old or 23, she's having to learn to walk with a Zimmer frame, by the way. And, and they then go, I tell you what we'll do. We'll have a barbecue and, and we'll, we'll sort of pour petrol on it. I mean, you know, incredibly dim. And then she goes, I forgive him. I hope he's with you for the rest of your life, but I have a sneaking feeling might not be. I have a sneaking feeling might not be. Uh, did we have the tube strike? I can't remember now. Have we had the tube strike? Is that, is that all finished? It was for six, six hours overnight, but they don't run overnight, the tubes, do they? So it finished about, oh, right. Started at nine, ten, eleven, twelve, one, two. So it would have finished at three if it was a six-hour tube strike. Oh, that's a bit pointless, because there aren't any tubes running at three in the morning, are there? Oh, it's ridiculous. I agree with Warren. Quite ridiculous. Although I'm quite sure that Bob Crow's got a few other things up his sleeve, like some more expensive champagne dinners. He likes those champagne dinners. He really does. There's so many of these people in the unions, aren't there? They just have discovered it's a way of, uh, of milking the system. Uh, here are people queuing for Wimbledon. There's always a picture in the paper of people queuing for Wimbledon, for the tennis, and they've all got little tents and little umbrellas. They're very sweet, if not sad. And they all queue outside there because they want to watch two people hitting a small ball over a net. Sometimes they get it over the net, sometimes they don't. And there'll always be a funny bit, won't there? So they can rerun it on the television of a streaker or somebody eating a strawberry or somebody asleep, you know, because it's so dull and boring. And uh, there'll always be a picture of, of sort of, I don't know, Venus Williams or Serena Williams arguing or wearing another funny outfit. And here is the great British hope, and there he goes, goodbye. And, you know, and I suppose you have to be positive. So definitely there he goes, and here is Serena Williams. And to be honest, the money they earn, and they've still not come up with equality, have they? It must be the only place where there's no equality. They don't... The men earn more than the women for winning, I think. Have they rectified that? I do hope so. And there's a herb now which can spice up your sex life, which I think is... I'm not going to tell you about it on a Monday. Not you anyway, Will. There's no point, is there? I've been to see lap dancing. And uh, there was something there. And uh, other story. There's a beach hut. We love beach huts. We never had a beach hut as a child. I've seen loads, and I watch people sitting outside them. And it's, it's, it's almost from a different era, isn't it? You go down to the coast. They've got them up at Hove just outside of Brighton, and I've often thought, there's never anybody sitting there, they've got hundreds of them, and you only ever see about two people there, you can't sleep in them overnight, and you have to take down, you know, your tea and everything, and people just use them for changing, I think. In my day, it was like a towel that your mother held up, and then you got changed, and then occasionally your mum would be chatting to your auntie, and she'd lower the tank, Mum! Pull the towel up, for goodness sake. But, um, we never had a beach up, and just as well. There's one for sale here, £60,000. It's got no mains water, gas or electricity, and you can't stay the night in it. And it's only seven square feet. And it looks in a dreadful condition. But uh, it's been there on the seafront at uh, Southwold for more than 100 years. They think it's the only original beach hut left. I mean, nearby huts have sold for £100,000. £100,000. This one, they think, could go for 60,000. Celebrity fans include Chris Evans, Michael Palin, Stephen Fry, Rowan Atkinson and Richard Curtis. I think it's wonderful. Mind you, the 60,000 quid does include folding chairs and a small table. 60,000? People up north must think we're mad. They really must think we're absolutely crackers beyond belief. How much is it for a beach hut? You know, uh, how big is it? Well, it's about seven square feet. How much? £60,000, but they go for up to 100000 They get, why, I can't believe it. 
A hundred thousand pounds. You could buy Liverpool for that. hundred thousand pounds for a beach house. I've always fancied it. But then you look at them. I just think they look nice when they're all painted up. I think they should all be different colours, because they look, they look quite nice. The trouble is, the beach at Brighton is all stones. And it's like... <laughs> as you're walking across, just to get to a bit of dirty water. And I can't swim in the sea, because I have dread fear of getting my mouth full of salty water. And I don't like that at all. You know, there are certain things that we don't do. One is tennis. One is... Uh, Sorry to mention tennis again. It's only because you're going to be so bored with it by the end of this week. You know, if, if you don't like tennis, you're going to have to suffer with it while the rest of the country enjoys it. And once we've got rid of, as they say in the papers, we might be getting rid of Formula One racing on the BBC because it's so expensive. That would be great as well. You know, it's because it's what is the point of watching cars going over the speed limit? It's like it's like mountaineering. What's the purpose of it? What is the unless you're doing it for charity, like Gary did? But you get mountaineers and they go. Chris Bonington was going up a mountain. Why? What's the point? They go, and I can hardly breathe. Well, don't do this then. Don't go up there. If it's making you ill, don't go there. I feel sorry for a lady called Julie Roberts today. Julie Roberts is a postie. She delivers your post. She's got a little van. It's quite a nice little van, actually. Unfortunately, um, she did something that she shouldn't have done. She gets out of the van and she leaves the keys in it and somebody jumps into the van and steals it. She, being heroic throws herself onto it and clings on. She's now facing the sack from the post office because they've said she left the keys in it. They're going to have a, you know, a chat around. I mean, really, you know, she, she tried to save property, but nobody, you know, what, what would happen if she'd been killed? Wouldn't have been very heroic then. I, I love these have-a-go people, but she shouldn't have left the keys in there. That was her first big mistake. And, and she shouldn't have thrown herself onto the bonnet and clung onto it because it's very dangerous. And if she'd fallen off, I mean, we were always told years... I mean, I've heard tale of people in um, building societies. No point in being a hero for the sake of a few hundred pounds. Let them have it. They'll, <clears throat> they'll all be caught on, on camera. They always find these people. It's like that bloke you heard on the news with Sam Pittis a while ago, where he, he came out of prison for a month for shoplifting, and within two hours he's rearrested because he steals a bicycle, but it was a police plant. The, the, the plant is, uh, is put, put the bicycle there and they all sit in a van and watch it. And this bloke steals it. He's only just come out of prison. So he's back in again. Perhaps he likes prison. I don't know. So uh, poor old Julie Roberts says it was just instinct. A Royal Mail spokesman said, We cannot discuss individuals, but Royal Mail takes very seriously the security of its customers' mail and the well-being of our employees. So in other words, it, because once you put that letter in the post box, that is that then becomes... The post office's property. They are duty-bound, under law, to deliver that letter to the person who is written on the outside. And it only becomes yours again when it's delivered the other end. And, I, and to be honest with you, I think we get a great service. I think a fantastic service. That you can actually put a letter in a box and a couple of days later it turns up. I mean, I've done also. I post money to people. Actual cash. Cash money. And people say, very dangerous, you know. Very dangerous. And you go, never lost a penny piece. Order some pens from Germany. They never arrive. Shan't be ordering things like that again. And I love PayPal. I love all these sort of secure systems that we've got. And, and I just love FedEx and all these other companies who can deliver stuff from America in a matter of days. Very interesting story in the Daily Mail today about Lord Glenn Connor. Lord Glen Connor was slightly eccentric. He used to have naked beach parties with Princess Margaret. In fact, there are pictures of Princess Margaret clothed, I hasten to add, in a, in a bikini kind of thing, with, uh, with Lord Glen Connor and a couple of friends start naked standing next to her because that's what the, he, he was classed as eccentric. And in fact, he was so eccentric months before he uh, 
he died, he did his will. And you would think he would leave it all to his wife. No, he left it to his manservant. He left it to his manservant, and uh, whose name is Kent. Kent was the one who, who looked after him, and so he changed his will. Uh, he and Kent drank rum together all over the island. They obviously became best of friends, and he thought, well, in his will, as opposed to leaving it to the wife, all the stuff he had on his Caribbean island, he would leave to Kent. But it's, it's a fascinating story. They're, they're, they're slightly eccentric. Slightly eccentric. Mind you, not half as eccentric as, uh, as the fans who came out in their thousands to bid for all those fantastic outfits which we were told about by Debbie Reynolds. Do you remember when Debbie Reynolds came in? She came over to the country and uh, she had a warehouse full of iconic items owned by iconic stars. How she got them, I don't know. Perhaps she just bought them in auction. She had things like Charlie Chaplin's bowler hat from the film Little Tramp. She had the guitar that Julie Andrews played in The Sound of Music. She had Marilyn Monroe's dress when she stood over the grate and the wind came up and it blew the dress. She had that. She sold these items the other day. For example, uh, Marilyn Monroe's red sequin dress from Gentlemen Prefer Blondes went for £740,000. Seven hundred and forty thousand. Admittedly, a fab, and it was worn by Marilyn Monroe. You can feel the heat from here. Uh, from there's no business like show business. Her skimpy number from there, from the heat wave. We're having a heat wave. Three hundred nine thousand. Apparently, by the time this auction finished, Debbie Reynolds was in tears. Judy Garland's blue dress that she wore in The Wizard of Oz went for £562,000. Elizabeth Taylor's riding outfit from National Velvet went for £37,000. Ingrid Bergman's suit of armour worn for the role of Joan of Arc sold for £31,000. It was Charlie Chaplin's bowler hat that went for sixty-seven. But how much did Marilyn Monroe's dress make? This was the one made famous when it all billowed up. I can tell you it went for $4.6 million. £2.8 million. Phenomenal amount. Apparently, that's when Debbie Reynolds burst into tears. I'm not at all surprised. They were hoping to raise £10 million. I don't know what the final tally was, but I tell you anything, that is just a phenomenal amount of money. People obviously want it. They're iconic dresses. Iconic. Uh, she's, I think Debbie Reynolds told us she had thousands of items. So, obviously, every time something... She was going to put them into a museum. And uh, and then, obviously, thought, well, listen, you know, she's 80, I think, Debbie Reynolds. She's fantastic for her, for her age. She really is fantastic. And and she obviously thought, I'll, I'll sell them. So, when somebody spends £2.8 on Marilyn Monroe's dress, just to even see it would be fantastic. Just to even see it. And I think she had, as well, the headdress that Elizabeth Taylor wore in Cleopatra. You can imagine, can't you, just just even touching these items? But huge, I think, you know, for anybody who went along thinking, I wonder if they've got anything at my price. The answer is, no, they haven't. No, they haven't. In fact, even in this country, we aren't getting true value. Because what they've done, all the companies now, and they've listed a whole load of them, changes over five years. Mars bar used to be 62.5 grams. It's now 58 grams. But it's still the same price. So, in other words, what they've done is, with a lot of these things, is they've, they've reduced the size of it, but they've kept the price the same. Have you noticed that? I've noticed that. I thought it was me getting older. I just thought it was me getting older and things looking smaller. But, no, they really are smaller. Anyway, it's LBC 97.3. It's nice every company. It's Monday morning. It's now 6.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84. Oh, Steve Allen. 
Morning, everybody. Uh, James says, whilst you're untypically correct to say that cricket is for wimps, you're wrong about Formula One and tennis. Now, it costs too much money. We have to get rid of it, I'm afraid. Off the t- I don't mind anybody else running it, but not with my money. Apparently, every time you watch a Formula One race on the BBC, it costs about three million quid. Their budget is something like £57 million. That's my money. That's my money. And at those... I mean, God knows how many people are involved with tennis. It's the biggest freebie going down at Television Centre. They're all getting their free tickets to go down there. It's, it's just outrageous. And to be honest with you, I would rather see little fluffy pink things singing their hearts out on the television at a cost of threepence and wasting money. I mean, the audiences for tennis and Formula One are minuscule. Minuscule. They should have been axed years ago, as you well know. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Jeremy says, seven feet square for the beach hut. That's two feet seven by two feet seven. Well, I, don't, I think, actually, no, I think they mean it's seven, seven feet by seven feet, because I can just get in it. Nick Ferrari, no chance. Actually, <laughs> it's not very nice to say. He could get in a beach. He just wouldn't want to go in a beach hut. That's the truth of the matter. He'd probably have a bathing machine, which would take you down to the water's edge and you slip gracefully beneath the water. I fancy that idea. Morning, Darren. Morning to you. Morning, morning, morning. Well, it's going to be... I have to say, if we're going to recommend people going out this week, it better be somewhere that's in the, in the dry, because the forecast is rain, rain, rain. Most of it is indoors. Mm. Uh, we kick off with the Portrait Exhibition of the Year at the National Portrait Gallery. That's just opened. Uh, works include four shortlisted artists and a huge, huge painting of a nudist beach in Corfu. So oh, this, is, this is the one that... Um, um, Selena Scott complained about. Well, nothing like a good bit of a publicity. If you Absolutely. About I mean, to be honest with you, it's only a painting, of, and she said people could be offended, so they put a notice up. There is a notice there, you know, just in case children are offended by pictures of naked people. I shouldn't imagine yeah. kids worry about it in the slightest. The adults worry about it more. So expect record numbers. The record numbers now. Because <laughs> we've never seen naked people, have we? No, exactly. Uh, the summer exhibition continues at the Royal Academy down at Piccadilly. Now, this is one for you, Steve. This is in the open air, though. The Gorilla Circus Flange Peas. Now, this is uh, your chance. The Gorilla Circus what? The Gorilla Circus Flying Trapeze. Oh. It's your chance to learn how to uh, go on a trapeze. Oh, look, I couldn't, see, I couldn't do it. I couldn't hold myself <laughs> up on the trapeze, could I? I, I would be, well, I would be put, left hanging there, I'm afraid. Might put you in a harness. It's down at the running track in Regent's Park. That's the north side oh. of Regent's Park, uh, not far from the zoo. Uh, the London Street Photography Exhibition continues down at the Museum of London in the city. Now, I know how much you love modern art, Steve, oh, so I'll put your tickets for this one. They're free, though, don't worry. That, that uh, and tennis. <laughs> See, I'm going to disagree with you on the tennis one. Of course I you like are. Tennis. Of course you are. We've yeah. we found three people so far who like tennis. Tennis is fantastic. Well, it, well, it, it's it just it might be lovely. We'll go and watch it. Don't don't put it on my television. I don't want to waste time. <laughs> it's for lazy can people. Every, can, we, can we take everything else off that you like? Well, put it this way. You can guarantee the moment Wimbledon starts, every council-run tennis court <laughs> will be full of <laughs> Stupid people who never go anywhere near it the rest of the year. But the moment Wimbledon starts, they start knocking balls over net. It drives me mad. I think you need to uh, get out more. <laughs> I do. I see these people playing tennis. And they've got a little table laid out in Twickenham with food on it. <laughs> it's really <laughs> awful. Why don't you pick up the racket and start knocking the balls over listen, net? I don't need to. To prove what? I am fit. I can hit a ball <laughs> over a net. Yes. I had swing well, ball well. as a child. Hello. Yeah, 1924. We had shuttlecocks. Yeah, OK. 
to lose the trick and Jane Errol beyond Moulin Rouge down at the Courthouse Gallery on uh, Waterloo Bridge. That's now open and runs through to the 18th of September. Also at Waterloo on Waterloo Station, the Railway Children. Mm. That's back. Somebody asked me about that the other day and I said it's fantastic. That gets your seal of approval, does it? Absolutely. It's got a real train. And no tennis in it. And there's no tennis, no mention of cricket or Formula One motor racing. It's a good, uh, honest story. I agree with you with Formula One. Ridiculous. Three million pound a race. Three million pound a race. Absolutely. 57 million. It's the biggest freebie for people who want to go and watch very noisy cars. It's all smelly and horrible and... Oof, dear. Uh, ghost stories. They finally uh, announced the closing date, the 16th of July. Oh, so go, very go, and catch it. go and catch it. Yeah, we've got last chance to see that. Um, also, another one for you, Steve, because I know you love this one. It's Global Smurf Day. It's Global Saturday. Smurf Day? Mm-hmm. Oh, what Smurfs as in, where are you all coming from? Indeed. <laughs> Look, and they Papa Smurf. Tennis. Yeah, they love playing tennis. Oh, I love them. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They absolutely adore it. They're big fans. <laughs> they're at the O2 uh, on Saturday. Oh, oh, they're doing a show, are they? Oh, well, it's just a chance for lots and lots of people, including the Smurfs, to get together, as right. they do every year, and gather and discuss all things Smurfs, including how much they love tennis. Designs of the Year at the Design Museum, strange enough, down at Tower Bridge. That is uh, now on. Last chance to see that. And it's been announced. This is also your last chance to see Andrew Lloyd Webber's Love Never Dies. Yes, they've announced closure of that. Closing in August. What would that be down to? Would that be down to it didn't get fantastic reviews? Uh, well, it got it was redirected and then it got much better reviews, but it just hasn't ignited the uh, passion of the audience this time. Maybe if uh, the fans of the opera enjoyed tennis more, bigger audience. Mm. It's very difficult, isn't it? Yes, I mean, I, yes. I think they should add a whole scene where he plays tennis. You're obsessed with t- You see, that's why. You see, I mean, I'm, I'm resting my case on this one because quite clearly tennis fans are mad as brushes, I'm afraid. Mad as brushes. Dirty love. Yeah, exactly. Dirty love. Okay, anybody for strawberries? And as I said, they're guaranteed there will be a picture <laughs> on the television because it's, it's like the Notting Hill Carnival. You know the day after the Notting Hill Carnival there'll be a picture of a very jolly fat black lady you with a policeman's helmet on her head. can't blame tennis fans for lazy journalism, can you? No, I guarantee you there'll be a picture of a bird that will settle <laughs> on the net and that will be hilariously funny. There'll be a picture of somebody asleep. There'll be a picture of Cliff Richard attempting to sing and people trying well, to stifle him. I oh, know you're right. You're, you're right. You've convinced me. Let's ban it. There you go. Just on the strength of Cliff Richard's singing alone. Absolutely, that's <laughs> it's it. It's to gone. stop it. Terrible. In Rimo 101. Yeah, and, then, the, the, and there'll be Venus Williams or Serena shouting at the umpire, and, and Andy Murray will be going, goodbye, Andy, for another year, and, and that'll be it. Just like a rerun of last year. And all that. And there'll also be a picture as well of one of the Jobsworths who works down at Wimbledon refusing entry to a well-known tennis player. Game, set and match, Steve Allen, goodbye. Thank you very much indeed. That's Darren Tossel with a few ideas there of where, where to go. Anywhere but tennis. Watch it. I mean, well, you know, watch it on the... Oh, I don't know. I was going to say watch it on the television. That makes it even worse, doesn't it, really, I'm afraid. I, I think it's good that people don't have to be fans of things. I know people who are absolutely, you know, crackers for cricket. Michael Parkinson loves cricket. So much so, when he joined LBC years ago, he, he wanted to take time off to go and cover the cricket. So he joined us and then disappeared off to do the cricket. Which I thought... Dullsville. Dullsville. Like me doing the commentary on, I don't know, Shrek or something like that. 
Stephen Bridlington says, I don't have to worry about taking the day off, as I was forced to retire at 50 due to arthritis. I was a trawler man. We've never had a trawler man listening to the programme, Stephen. So I'll be going to our favourite restaurant up on the clifftop at, uh, is it Seerby? Well, I'll be indulging myself with fine food and wine. How lovely. There was a, there was a house that was for sale the other day. I'm, I'm straight, because I'm Piscean. I'm strangely drawn to, to water. I don't know whether it follows like that, you know, whether or not your star sign means that you really are, you know, a, a fantasist. Because they say that Pisceans dream, but I think everybody dreams, don't they? Will certainly dreams during this programme. Well, he looks like he's dreaming half the time. And, uh, sorry, on what? Oh, you're Cancer the Crab. You see, I don't know anything about Cancer the Crab. What is that? What, 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 what are your traits? as ca- You walk sideways. <laughs> got eight legs or something or whatever they've got. I don't know. And people boil you in hot water. It's odd, isn't it? I mean, do, do you read... Uh, people used to read their star signs every day. Now I don't know anybody who bothers reading them because they're all rubbish, aren't they? It doesn't mean it. I was looking at mine earlier and it said, today's going to be a very interesting day. I thought, well, it's not really. I'm going to run my friend Lynn to the, uh, to the airport because she, she's going off on holiday. And she showed me... The, she's laid everything out on the bed. This is, these are my swimming costumes and this is my evening outfit. These are all the shoes I'm taking. She's only going for a week. She looks like she's packing for about a year. Mind you, I was the same. I used to do exactly the same thing. Before I went on holiday or before I went abroad, I would literally lay all the clothes out on the bed of what you were going to wear so that you'd take, you know, three pairs of socks. And you think, am I going to wear socks? I'll just take one pair of socks. You know, then how many pairs of pants do you take? How many T-shirts do you take? Do you take three pairs of trousers, pair of jeans, or do you just think, well, I'm not going to go anywhere posh, am I? I'll just take jeans. How many swimming... And then you can... I mean, I take more stuff for the bathroom. I've got a whole bag of stuff that goes for the bathroom. So when I get there, you've got to plug the shaver in to charge that up. You lay all your things out, don't you? It's probably the same for ladies. But it, but it, is, it is strange that every time now... Years ago, I don't think you worried about anything. You know, you just sort of... You took a toothbrush and that was about it. Now you've got moisturiser, shampoo. You don't want to use their shampoo, do you? You don't want to use foreign shampoo because you know where it's come from. And, so, and I always buy stuff because the last place we had had a, had a fridge freezer in it. And you buy loads of stuff to put in the freezer. And then on the last day, you open it and there's still half a fridge full. And you go, but we're leaving today or tomorrow. And you, I can't eat all of this. So you end up throwing it away. I had to empty a bottle of vodka down the sink because I thought, I mean, I could have left it. But then somebody going in there is going to go, what do you think that is? We'll pour it away because they're not going to, to touch it, are they? I don't think. Uh, Nick Ferrari with you after the news at seven this morning talking about the passing of the Parliament Square protester, Brian Hall. I wonder, really, actually, will they now manage to clear it, now that he's gone, will they manage to clear out all the other tents? Because they seem to have failed miserably so far. Nick will be looking at uh, Mr Cameron's statement on absent fathers and the implication if the Church of England allows gay bishops. That's going to run today, isn't it? Gay, I've just got a feeling gay bishops is going to be, um, is going to be the one. And uh, what else have we got today? Uh, they will be asking that, that question. Brian Hall, hero? Or misguided. I'm sure that there'll uh, be lots of people uh, falling down on uh, on that one. Uh, more from the papers in a moment. Let's have a quick check on the news headlines at quarter to seven. It's 13 minutes to seven. It's Monday morning. Do take your umbrella. It's going to rain and it's going to rain tomorrow. In fact, it's going to rain every day this week. And I'd hate you to them write in and go, you never told us it was going to rain. I did. Every day this week, it's going to be another wet week. Doesn't matter. We don't care. We don't care. Makes no difference. Apparently, millions of us are too hard up to go on holiday. So, um, you know, contrary to what you might think, that everybody goes on holiday and that's their big thing, people, people save up 
for it, and they go away on holiday. And how many times have you heard the expression, you know, oh, come on, let's pay for it. We're on holiday. People don't... I mean, I always like to buy all brand new if I go on holiday, so I don't go on holiday very often. And between you, me, and the gatepost, I'm, I'm not a fan of holiday. I don't, I don't lie on beaches. I'm not particularly... I get bored. I don't lie by swimming pools. I'm just, I'm just not a holiday sort of person. As far as I'm concerned, every day is a holiday. And so I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But there, there are some hard and fast rules in uh, one of the papers today. Uh, if you cannot afford to go on holiday, this is the way to save money. First of all, don't travel during school holidays. Tour operators ramp up the prices. We proved this on the programme the other week. We were talking about it with John Warrington. So during school holidays, they, they, they put the prices up. So uh, don't travel during the school holidays. Get an all-inclusive deal. I mean, a family's meal bill for eating out can easily reach £500 in a week. Because if you go, oh, let's go and eat out here, and, and if there's, you know, mum and dad and two kids, that's four of you eating. And you tend to go, oh, it's in euros, it doesn't matter. Shop around for flights, because the websites of individual operators can give you some unexpected bargains. Go somewhere with a beach. Sunbathing all day means you don't spend money on costly activities. Take hand luggage only. So, I mean, you know, you, you, there is an art to packing. I haven't achieved it, I don't think. But I have seen people who can pack, and, and, and it's all contained in one bag. I don't know how they manage it. I really don't. You, you could always buy a cheap tent, and you could go camping, because camping's quite cheap. In fact, you can buy some, some really nice frame tents now that would sleep up to ten people. Load it in the back of the car. Get, get one of those boxes that goes on the roof of the car. Don't travel too far. You know, try Belgium, if you must, and uh, northern France, which is OK. Uh, get the maximum value from your currency. Don't change money at the airport, but shop around. Because when, when you go to the airport, they know that you can't change it anywhere else. So I always make sure I've got my money before I leave. I don't need to do anything. You've got to be very careful. And walk everywhere. And the big thing that is going to save you money on holiday, turn off your mobile. Because you'll come back to a bill the size of a small country's debt. Because you'll be going, oh, we'll just use the hello. Because you just think, people don't think about it. You do not think that it's actually going to rack up the price, but it blooming well does. So just be careful. But uh, the phone thing is uh, is very important. I did like the... I did smile the other day. I shouldn't have smiled, actually, when I heard that Kerry Katona's phone had been switched off by Claire and Neville because uh, they, they, they pay for it. And she's moved out of the house, so she's moved back in with her mother. So expect all sorts of tantrums and everything else. Very silly move. Very silly move. But there again, you can't tell Kerry Katona anything at all, can you? I wish somebody would take that dreadful Alex Reid off the television. What is his claim to fame? A third-rate actor and, uh, and was married to Katie Price. End of story. Too much sport on television, says Laura. Bring back some decent plays for the less brain-dead. Your sport is a bit... It's a bit mind-numbing, isn't it? They sit there... Uh, uh. And I don't know if you've ever been in a bar when there's a football game on. I mean, frankly, I find it absolutely painful that people get so... Uh, 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 and they do the same for tennis. Uh, oh, And everybody groans at the same time. Get a life, is what I say. Uh, back in the 60s, says John, I took a, a girlfriend to Battersea Funfair. The roller coaster had no seat belts, and some brave bloke stood up at the front. How brave was he? Well, in fact, somebody died on the roller coaster at Battersea. That's why they, uh, they ended up closing it down. It was a wooden roller coaster. I remember it. Uh, Wendy in Campbell says, Sorry, Steve, but I do love tennis. Joanna says, You're smoking today. Tss, hot. Women do get equal pay in tennis, but aren't allowed to play five sets for some daft reason. Yeah, I think since 19. 19- Oh, 2007, they've had equal pay, have they? About time, too. Uh, Paul in Dagenham says, regarding motor racing, it would be cheaper to watch the traffic from a motorway bridge. And faster. So much faster. 
You know, go and stand on one of the M4 bridges. Watch the, it's the same effect. It just means you haven't got sort of... Like, have you noticed all the girls that hang up draping themselves over cars? It's a bit like being in a showroom. It's horrible. Nicola says, My parents live in Southwold and have always rented out their beach hut for £1,000 a week to tourists. £1,000 for a beach hut? Good Lord. They're beautiful when they're done up and a massively important part of what makes Southwold popular. Actually, I'm sure I've seen a feature on Southwold. I don't know anything about it, but it, it just rings a bell. There was, they did a place once. Where is it? I can't remember. It wasn't Frinton. It was somewhere that had a, a little pier and people went out there. Because I did say yesterday that would be my, my favourite thing to do. If, if, if I won 95 minutes, I'd like to buy a pier, like, you know, Brighton or somewhere like that, and just watch the sun come up every morning and just do breakfast, you know, give a huge discount to LBC listeners. You know, turn up and say, you're Steve Allen, I claim my free fried bread or something. You know, and then we could sort of, oh, that's that. I'll chuck in a sausage as well. And so you can do that. Apparently curry, a curry herb can spice up your, ex- your sex life. Apparently. I don't think anything can spice up your sex life apart from having somebody that you fancy the other side. It's not, you know, people say, oh, you know, take this and take that. And now they found that this uh, fenugreek, I've heard of fenugreek, I don't know what it is, but they say here that uh, it it can boost male sex drive by at least a quarter. And it's got uh, saponins and uh, and it, it increases testosterone. It's a bean-like plant. You watch, everybody now be going, what was it called? What was it? Fenugreek. They'll be asking, you know, because well, there's no point. My auntie Enid will be asking for it. She's like that in the home she's in. She'll be going, if it's something new, she likes to try it. But uh, we don't want to increase her libido, thank you very much indeed. Not at her age. It's bad enough as it is now. And um, so you'll, you'll be trying that. But then they said pomegranate juice was good for you. Then somebody said watermelon juice. And, and then other people have said cheese is good. Well, there's all sorts of things that are supposed to be good for you. And then the next minute they're going, too much coffee's bad for you, too much tea's bad for you, too much fried stuff, don't eat cream cakes, don't eat any of it. So in other words, uh, I don't know, I'm torn between the devil and the deep blue sea. What's good for me, what's bad for me? I did buy the other day, I was going through a health kick. So I go into M&S and I buy, it's a round thing and it's got cut up bits of cucumber and uh, with a dip in the middle. And I thought, I'll take it into work today and, and I can be healthy. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, it's the dullest food I've ever seen in my life. Cut up bits of cucumber, cut up bits of celery, some carrot sticks. I mean, how dull is that? Good Lord, if you want to... The full English, much nicer. Talking of the full English, he might might be, again, Paul Gascoigne, telling anecdotes in front of a thousand fans. He went out with uh, Jimmy Greaves, both reformed uh, alcoholics, and he he's telling stories and he might do it again. He said he quite enjoyed the experience. He certainly needs the money, because he spent 7800 on a on a rehab course. Seven, it's, it's, of all these people get these addictions, and they have, you know, people have earned a lot of money over the years in football. Probably Gascoigne never earned the sort of money that they earn nowadays. But um, he's obviously doing his best, and he thinks that, you know, if you go out on tour, it'll, it'll be good for you. Frank Skinner could be going out on tour. He loves musicals. He says, I saw Julie Andrews recently at the O2. She didn't sing a note and got a standing ovation, but she's got a better back catalogue than me. I think he's only got The Three Lions, co-written by, of course, uh, David Baddiel, and that was as far back as 96. He says, I've always been asked to do a musical, but they always want you to do two years, which at my age could take you to the very end of the road. He's only 54. 54? I mean, how long can you do music? You could probably do musicals for quite some time, couldn't you? I like the idea. How many items have you got in your wardrobe? Have you counted, ladies? Have you counted how many items in your wardrobe, Will? Three, I can tell. Is it too many? Is it just lots of T-shirts rolled up and shoved in drawers and stuff like that? Just all over the floor. Oh, is it? Oh, really? Are you mess? Oh, all right. There's a woman here 
And uh, because Dolly Parton said in a paper the other week that she wears a different outfit every day. She never wears the same outfit ever again. So the moment she's worn it, it's packed up in plastic and sent off to a warehouse. And there it stays. And I've got a woman in the paper today called Amanda Jenner. And she has got... This is what's in her wardrobe, so you could equate it. 150 pairs of shoes, 40 pairs of jeans... 40 summer maxi dresses, 55 pairs of smart trousers, 35 bikinis, 45 handbags, 100 tops, 165 t-shirts, 50 evening dresses, 20 tracksuits, 30 pairs of leggings, 35 jackets, 30 coats and 20 suits. And she says she doesn't have time to wear them all. Or probably want to, I should imagine. Can you imagine? I think I might have to start going... I'm going to start counting my stuff today. I'm going to go home and count how many items I've got in the wardrobe. I don't know. A couple of hundred would be normal, wouldn't it, I suppose? I don't know. Listen, that's it for today. Just be warned. The government new initiative comes in today. If you don't have car insurance, there's little cars out there that will track you. And there's a very good chance they will destroy your car. Probably all those illegal minicab drivers, I should imagine. They don't look as though they've got uh, even driving licences, let alone insurance. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. If you go to the LBC website, please do, lbc.co.uk. Have a look at all the, uh, the pictures, which Adrian's very kindly put up. Two years of interviews. And uh, me with the my celebrity chums. Sounds very exciting, doesn't it? Makes it sound quite grand, really. But if you go to that, you can find it, and you can podcast, and you can read the... Uh, no, so, yes, you can download, do, do the podcast, and read the blog as well. Nick and team with you after the news at seven. First of all, business update with Sam Pittis.